It's time to talk BYU football. You're tuned in to the Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's in Provo, giving you the inside scoop on BYU football from the coaches themselves, JCW's, the Burger Boys. To lead things off, let's head live to your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good afternoon. Happy Eclipse Day 2017. Cougar Nation, welcome to another season of the Coordinator's Corner here at JCW's in Provo. We are live on BYU Football Facebook Live, live on BYU Radio, live on ESPN 960, and on BYUCougars.com, as well as the BYU Cougars app, the BYU Radio app, and the ESPN 960 app, also on TuneIn. It is really good to have you along for another season as we talk BYU football every Monday from noon to one with the Coordinators, Ed Lamb, Elisa Tuiaki and Ty Detmer, and they'll be on the show today in that order, all three this week. Then in ensuing weeks, we'll have uh, two of the coordinators on every week as we rotate throughout the season. So it's my pleasure to once again welcome to the broadcast and for the season, BYU assistant head coach and special teams coordinator, Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, good to see you again. Thanks, Greg. Glad Great to, to have here. you, and here we yeah. go. So uh, comfort level for year two, I guess, gets asked to a lot of the coaches here in the second season of the Kalani Satake era. How's it been for you in year two in terms of your personal uh, comfort zone and then as a system or a program in general? Oh, yeah, good question. Um, I think, you know, as far as the relationships with players and coaches, uh, there's definitely year two. I know them more. I know them more personally. Um, I feel like that the players know me, react to me better. But, uh, you know, in terms of the the competitiveness and the nature of this business, we're, we're really not striving for comfort. It's not what we got into it for. We got uh, we got a competitive season, a challenge every day, and if it, if it doesn't if it ceases to feel like a challenge, and if there's any level of comfort, then you know we're in the wrong business or on the wrong team. If not comfort, um, is is there a sense of kind of wheels on the road, you know, cruise control, as opposed to just kind of spinning them and trying to get on the freeway last year? Sure, yeah, I, I think um, just walking around the office really. Um, I have a sense that more of our staff members, from support staff to training staff to football coaches, we know our role for this head coach and for this program. And so I think, I think from that standpoint, there's just there's more work being done more efficiently. Did the role you envision having uh, in year one come to fruition, and has it modified, adapted uh, any way into into the second year? Um, it, it has. I think it. Uh, I I actually had a little different uh, vision from the the moment. Uh, Coach Satake and I first spoke uh, to what it, it created into. Um, I thought that I would probably be involved more on offense. I felt like that with, with my defensive background, that if, if Coach Satake wanted to have Elisa Tuiaki as the D coordinator, then I should probably be out of the way and, and more involved in offense and seeing the team from a, um, a an assistant head coach standpoint, seeing the whole roster, so to speak. But uh, as we as we got to know each other and worked a little more, it seemed like that uh, – that Elisa would be great to work with on defense, and that would be a nice dynamic between he and I, and I could I could look a little more toward the secondary as my first order of business, and he could look a little more toward the front, which is his background, and we've been able to kind of weld together, I think, a, a package that fits together and is a reflection of both of our backgrounds. Of course, safeties is, has been your assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know pretty early on uh, that that was going to be your group uh, when you and Kalani first began talking? Uh, initially, it was going to be tight ends, and uh, and I was meeting with with Ty Detmer and, and talking offensive um, philosophy, foundation, basis, things like that. And then uh, after about ten days, I think we all just just made the decision together that we needed to go for some offensive guys on the staff, and that I would fit better on defense. 
in your first year on the staff, one of the safeties you had was an NFL guy in Kainakua. With Kai gone, uh, the question a lot of folks have asked is uh, who will pair with Micah Hanneman, the presumed starter, and one of the safety spots. And then late in the game, uh, one of the guys who's in that mix, Matt Hadley, uh, suddenly becomes an attractive outside linebacker option yeah. with the absence of uh, Francis Bernard. So yeah. uh, your group has modified a little bit here in just the last few days. It has, yep, and and probably will the whole season. As you know, just things, things happen. Um, right now, I think there's uh, Tanner Jacobson, Micah Hanneman, and uh, Zane um, Zane Anderson are working in the in the first group of safeties. Kind there. of three to play two right now. They're a little bit interchangeable, especially Tanner Jacobson. Micah's a little more locked in at strong safety. Zane's a little more no- locked in at free. Tanner can offer us time at both. And then uh, there's a lot of other guys with ability. So now that, that Matt has made that move, and actually Chaz Ayu looks like he's going to be a linebacker, or at least a nickel linebacker for us. It's, um, you know, I think there's there's more room for some of the guys that haven't been maybe in the mix at safety to step into what I would consider a starting role, or at least in the starting rotation. Now, it's a team effort, of course, but a couple of guys, you just mentioned Matt and Chaz, um, in, in a way sort of leave the safety group, if you will. But early in camp, you felt that, that you had enough depth there to, to withstand maybe some unforeseen circumstances. Absolutely. Yep, uh, yeah, that, that's, um, that's still really the case. I feel like there are still six, maybe seven guys who can play a starting winning role for us in the safety room still so it uh in in some ways it's created opportunities it for the safeties to to play more of a role some of those safeties that may not have had an opportunity and certainly in in matt's case he's going to be in an area where he's going to be able to make a lot of plays and it showed up right away in the first couple of practices it's our season debut of the coordinator's corner here at jcw's in provo great to have you with us whether viewing us on facebook live or tuning us in on byu radio espn 960 byu or the many apps that we have streaming the show for you today coming up a little later on in the show elisa tuyaki the defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator ty detmer you can tweet the show using hashtag ccbyu hashtag ccbyu We'll get questions for the coaches coming up as we proceed in this hour. Again, we're Mondays, noon to 1, here at JCW. So beyond the three guys we just talked about at safety, Micah Hanneman, uh, Tanner Jacobson, Zane Anderson, who else are we talking about in that six or seven that you feel uh, could get able to play? Um, Austin Lee, uh, Kamel Green, they've had really good uh, training camps. We've got uh, Gavin Fowler, who's who's uh, played significantly but just had – or played – and practiced significantly the last two springs, but then had injuries mm-hmm. in uh, in the fall, which which kept him back from playing. Um, also have Sawyer Powell, who played really well up in training camp, and now he's just going through a very kind of minor uh, knee issue, hyperextended it, and that's you know a non-surgical type thing. He'll be back in a couple of weeks. And uh, did I mentioned Austin, yeah. Austin Lee. Yeah, yeah. I, th- yeah. I think I think that's the remainder of the group right there. What's the Austin Lee story, by the way? We know he's a transfer from uh, from Utah, right? Yes, Austin is a transfer from Utah. A really athletic player. Could be both uh, strong safety and free safety for us. The strong safety is usually a little quicker guy. The free safety may be faster and, and more rangy, but the strong safety is quicker and can play more man-to-man coverage. In his case, he's a pretty good blend of both. By the way, how did it feel uh, letting Matt and Chaz go, if you will, to another spot? Oh yeah, <laughs> well, it was. It, I think in both cases, it was. It was uh, maybe my idea from the beginning. I might have, may have suggested that they could do that. That they both play with with low hips and good hands, so they can shed blocks. Even though they might ideally might want to be ten or fifteen pounds heavier at some point during the season, they'll work on that. But I thought they were ready to go right away. They're just guys that are like the contact of the game, thrive in that way, and, and stay square. A lot of times defensive backs, if they don't have that um, 
that tendency or that habit to keep their shoulders and hips square to the line of scrimmage. It's really hard for them to come down and play in a tight area. But guys that, that just have been taught that or just have that natural ability to stay square to the line of scrimmage, they can slip off blocks and fill gaps much easier. If you could insert yourself into the linebacker conversation for a moment without Francis, you still think they're going to be okay as a group, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, very good. It's just it's just like with Kai and, and every team that I've ever been a part of. Um, you know, At first, it seems like whether you lose a guy to graduation or some other issue, it seems like, oh, my gosh, how are you going to replace this guy? The truth is there's no Francis Bernard, there's no Kai Nakua, and, and there's no Taysom Hill. But there are other guys with very particular – special sets of skills just and like liam neeson just yeah. to, exactly like that and and that's and that's you know they'll they'll step up they have they have those all of those replacements have different skills and better skills in some areas than the guys that they're replacing and it's been like that since the beginning of time I mean, we, if, if if that were the case we'd be still wondering how to replace eldon 40 and <laughs> those guys you know new guys step up when opportunities arise all right, we've hit we've hit your safeties pretty uh, heavily here in the first segment, but you are a special teams coordinator as well. Before we get into the break, uh, I want to at least get into a little bit of special teams. Maybe we can start with the kickers, uh, where there's some consistency. You know, Johnny Linehan's pretty locked in at, at one of the punting spots. Rhett Almond, I thought looked really good when camp got underway as as a place kicker, and you have a couple of guys in the mix for kickoffs and Andrew Mickelson and Corey Edwards. Have I named the guys that we think are going to be the main players? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think that we have some versatility there. We we can punt right-footed, we can punt left-footed with uh, Corey and with uh, Johnny. We can punt the ball straight ahead, not in a rugby style with Rhett. We can kick off right-footed, kick off left-footed. Those from a from a special team standpoint, it's really difficult with the amount with the limited amount of time that a team has to prepare, and now they have to prepare for uh, kicking from either side. And so all of those guys return. There's roles for all of them, and uh, they've got a high level of confidence. Now, Rhett's a straight-back punter when he punts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny's a rugby guy, but Johnny's also done some straight-back, and you want him to have that uh, be as part of That's his right. arsenal, don't you? Yep, and we did that significantly last year. We, we, we Johnny is a preferred is a, is a rugby, and uh, he, whether he prefers that or not, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, but he can do it very well. And so from a coverage standpoint, usually – a straight-on punter will punt the ball from snap to punt in about two seconds. Really, 2.1 is our target or less. Okay. And a rugby kicker normally is going to be 2.3 to 2.5. And so it's just an extra two, three-tenths of a second for guys to get out down the field and cover. Is it my perception or is it reality that I felt that when uh, he started kicking in the summer, Rhett Almond had more leg? It sounded like a bigger thump off his foot and looked like he had more distance. Is that a real thing? Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah. Rhett's got uh, much more leg uh, than a year ago. He's got uh, more ability. Uh, I think our red zone will be stretched. What we, what we call our high red zone or big red zone would be stretched. That's our field goal range. So, in other words, when we get in that field goal range, the quarterback's looking to speed things up. If we take a play for a loss, a sack, for example, or a tackle for a loss, it, it could take us out of field goal range. Whereas other parts of the field, you're just talking about a, a long yarded situation, which is never enviable, but it doesn't take you out of scoring range. I feel like last year we needed to get inside the 25 to be four out of five on field goals, and I feel like now that that's stretched to somewhere between the 25 and the 30. A few yards can make a big difference. That's meaningful, absolutely, as it does in field position, as it does when getting field goal range. All right, heading into break, one last thing. Um, A group called Sports Source Analytics out there uh, has come up with a stat that they call punt efficiency. You may already have it in a different kind of measure, but they measure punt efficiency, meaning punts that are either uh, 38-plus yards net or down inside the 20. So either one counts as an efficient punt, and the percentage of punts gives you the rate. So BYU was at 79.3% last year in punt efficiency, if you want to go by that measure, which was 10th nationally. 
can you acknowledge that? What do you look for uh, in terms of what's important? Because it's not just uh, punt average. Most important thing on that, st- I haven't seen that stat particularly, but I'm you know familiar with studying it from that focus point. And the most important criteria in, in those kind of stats is an unselfish punter. A punter who goes out. Johnny, Johnny said it to me really well the other day. He said he'd been working with Dr. Manning, our, our sports psychologist mm-hmm. on campus, and, and Dr. Manning had, had told him uh, Johnny was a little bit concerned, like, geez, we, we, our offense so often will put us in a punt situation across the 50, and I want to average 45 yards a punt, but there's not 45 yards to work with. And Dr. Manning said, well, it's, it's all about going out on every particular punt and setting a goal for that punt, just doing that punt as well as you can and not worried about overall stats. And then Johnny, immediately that resonated with him, made sense, and that's what he does. He goes out, and if it's a 30-yard punt to down it inside of five, that's what he wants. And he saw my, my, my tweet last night about this punt efficiency stat and immediately said, the kicking's the easy part. He credits the guys in front of him that have to go down and make yeah. sure the net stays what it does or that it gets down inside the yep. 22. There's, so. there's the other part of it. All right. It is hashtag CCBYU, hashtag CCBYU for Coordinator's Corner here on Twitter. We'll come back after the break. We'll get some social media questions off Twitter for Coach Ed Lamb, BYU's assistant head coach and special teams coordinator Ed Lamb is first up on our first edition of the Coordinator's Corner. We are live at JCW's on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYUcougars.com as well as BYU Football Facebook Live. We're back with Coach Lamb right after this. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Once again here at JCW's in Provo, Mondays 12 to 1 for the Coordinator's Corner on this season debut edition. All three coordinators joining us in ensuing weeks. Two of the three will be on every week from 12 to 1. Hashtag CCBYU to tweet your questions in. We're visiting with... Coach Ed Lamb, BYU's assistant head coach and special teams coordinator in our first and second segments. We go to Twitter, hashtag CCBYU. Zach asks Coach Lamb, who's going to do awesome on special teams that we should be aware of? We being the fans out there in Cougar Nation. Well, we have the uh, top coverage guys are back. Diane Lake, um, uh, actually Kavika Fonua uh, took over, including the bowl game, and had the most coverage tackles. But uh, Kavika, Diane... Uh, Zane Anderson is back, Mel Green, Heva Lee, um, Sawyer Powell, uh, all these guys, they, they, they ran down with a ton of courage. Matt Hadley, Tanner Jacobson. So um, that that's the crux of special teams. I mean, there's the, you have to have the fundamentals, the guy that can go out there and do it um, from a specialist standpoint, fundamentally, kick the ball, punt the ball, et cetera. But then really where the, where the special teams get really good and make it hard on the other team is when the coverage guys run down there and you got 10-plus guys who want to make the tackle. 10-plus, sometimes you get a kicker who really wants to make mm-hmm. the tackle. Yeah. Zach, thanks for the question. Appreciate it. Uh, we talked about kickers first segment heading into the break. I was going to ask about returners, but I think we'll let one of our fans do it instead. Uh, Brian Lewis on Twitter with the hashtag CCBYU. Coach Lamb, who's your preferred player to receive kicks? I guess we'd say players in this case. And who will be the top punt returner? And will Mo Longi play on special team, either coverage or block or protect or whatever you have? Um, uh, Tanner Jacobson uh, it, right now is our starting punt returner. But Micah Hanneman will play significantly. Tanner's a, uh, has shown to be a little more um, sure-handed and uh, a little a little more conservative in his decision making. Micah's a little more aggressive. 
And uh, so, Micah, there is a role for Micah. We want to use him. At times we'll use two returners, and it'll be both of them. At the kickoff return spot, it'll be Aleva Hifo and Matt Hadley return as the two main guys. But uh, And they Jonah, were doing it for you last year? They were doing it last yeah. year. They were the two starters. Jonah Trinneman has, has done really well during fall camp, and we look to get him in the mix too. Trey Dye, K.J. Hall, or another couple of guys that are in that mix there at the kickoff return spot. And, yes, Malangi will play um, certainly on the PAT and the field goal unit, and, and uh, he does a, has shown a real knack for getting some push and getting his hands up and being able to block some low trajectory kicks too. So when you say field goal and PAT, are you talking both sides of the line with Mo? It, it will be, yes. Yep, he, he does both sides of the line. Right now we have him at a, a, a field guard position on the PAT and field goal, so if the ball's on a hash, he goes to the field, which is usually where the heaviest rush comes from because of the trajectory of the kick. So he can block, and you can, and he, he can protect that is set of shield. Yeah. But do you have him also on a on, on a blocking unit, meaning yes. trying to get it blocked? He, do, he does a really nice job of getting push from the defensive side of the ball, and blo- he's blocked some kicks already in fall camp. So he's such a curiosity, and, and but he's more than a novelty. Yeah. Uh, he starts camp, and it really is a question: is you know, can he do this football thing yeah. within a few days or weeks? You get a pretty indication, don't you, that uh, that this is somebody we can work with? That's right. Yep, and and that's why we chose not to redshirt him. Is really it's. His his level of understanding is the most important thing, and so things like that are so natural for every other guy on the team. Like, what is a hash? What is a field side? What is a, a boundary side? What's a field goal? In fact, the third day of camp, he came up to me. He said, "Coach, uh, PAT and field goal. What's the difference? They seem like the same thing." I say, "Yeah, you're exactly right. It's just where we put the ball, and how many points you get when the ball goes through." That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, by the way, Coach Elisa Tuiaki is coming up in our in our second segment here of the coordinators' corner. Then Coach Ty Detmer um, in the fifth and sixth. I'll say E will be in segments three and four. Ty in five and six. We've got Ed here in one and two. Um, Kalani the other night at the Big Blue Bash says he's not supposed to gamble in the casino, so he gambles on the football field. Now, beyond the obvious allusion to faking it on fourth and nineteen, a fake punt, I sense beyond that obvious one uh, a philosophical inclination to keep opponents on their toes Um, what are the advantages of an aggressive if not gambling mindset especially with special teams i think it's uh it it builds a culture throughout the team uh to stay on their toes that was one of the things we wanted to accomplish on fourth and 19 after stalling out in our own end and and uh, stalling out on offense a few times was okay let's see what we can do let's see if we can stir this up this game is not going the direction we want to go and so I think I think Coach Shitake is is big on that. Also, you know, when you when you talk about things like being aggressive, it, if you're aggressive on offense, the defense has to account for that, account for trick plays, etc. Um, if you're aggressive on defense, the offense has to account for pressure. And if you're aggressive on special teams, then the the opponent has to take that into consideration with how risky they can be on their block attempts or return attempts. All right, there it is, folks. Thanks for the tweeted questions using hashtag CCBYU. Shorter segment with Coach Lamb this week. When he comes back on, we'll get close to a full half hour with him as we have a coordinator on for each half hour on the coordinator's corner. First show, we're doing three of them in a 20-minute segments. we got a lot from Coach Lamb on this debut edition. And, Coach, we'll see you again soon. Thanks for coming on in. Thank you. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And we are live at JCW's in Provo, as we are and will be every Monday from 12 to 1. You're listening to us on BYU Radio and ESPN 960, as well as BYUcougars.com. You're seeing us on BYU Football Facebook Live. Folks, nothing tops off a night at the game like a dinner at JCW's with huge burgers, wings, shakes, and salads. 
There's something for everybody. Bring the whole family in before or after the game for a feast at JCW's. Quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, where we are, and South Jordan. Pleasure to welcome to the show for the first time this season on our debut edition of the Coordinator's Corner, defensive coordinator and D-line coach Elisa Tuiaki. Coach Tuiaki, good to see you again. Good to be back. Last good time we talked here. to you here, we, t- we called you linebackers coach and D coordinator. Now you're on the D line. Let's maybe first hit that transition of what brought it about and how it's felt to be working with uh, the guys up front. Uh, it's, it's been good. The, the, you know, biggest, one of the biggest reasons, and a lot of people have asked why the change, you know, because Coach Kofusi's done such a good job and he's had a lot of, a lot of sons that played that position. Um, you know, I, I was always just kind of hovering over him because we've always done something a little bit different in the four down front and so um i felt like i was coaching two positions um and you know with, with the way that uh, my relationship with galani and and especially getting him involved the second year we were able to steal him a little bit more to the backers you know i approached steve about it and, and asked him how he felt about moving to learn a new position and he was really really excited you know i think um it was a good change up for him it was um, gave me the ability to just stay in one spot and stop hovering, but also get the head coach involved. He was a really, really good backers coach. And so I think that um, it kind of defines our roles a little bit better as well as, uh, you know, maximize the the um, talent at coaching with, with all the other guys coming in. Is D-line more in your wheelhouse, do you think? Did, did you feel more naturally drawn to that position? You know, I, I like I, I enjoyed both of them. I really like both of them, love the kids, but... Um, you know, it's just with, with the way that uh, the defense was for the last, you know, 12 years, the way that Steve had done it, um, it, it's just a little different. And so, you know, the nuances of the position and, and the things that we did, um, I was always just kind of stepping in. And, and, you know, and Steve was fine with that. He was okay with it. But um, I just didn't want to keep doing it the whole year. You know what I mean? And I think that um, allowing him to learn a new position, I thought I thought was good. And so when I approached him about it, he was really excited and and uh, so we ended up making the move. So One of the guys you're coaching is Coach Kofusi's son, Corbin, on the end. He's kind of been penciled in at that, uh, that number one uh, left end spot through most of camp. Uh, he's a football player now, isn't he? He's a really, really good football player. He's put, on, he's put on a lot of weight since last season. You know, I think that you could tell uh, during the football or during basketball season, he, he'd gotten bigger and more physical. But now, now that he's uh, you know just kind of honed in on football only, he's really, really becoming a good player. Questions for Coach Tuiaki? You can send them in on Twitter. Use the hashtag CCBYU. That's CC for Coordinators Corner. Hashtag CCBYU. Say so you're addressing it to Coach Tuiaki. We'll get to your questions coming up after our next break. You lose some good guys from last year's line, as is the case every year in college football with every position group, but a lot of good new names. Let's throw a few new names out there and uh, maybe a little bit on, on, on the players you want to talk about, on guys we'll be seeing uh, in the 2 deep here in 2017. Um, so, you know, we, we get Jonah Takaki coming back, who is, uh, you know, I think the year off, allowing him to focus more on football and kind of get things, get things right in his own mind, his own life as well as uh, the physicality of the game. I mean, he spent a lot of time in the weight room during the soft season or during the year that he took off. And just um, he's, he's shown early in camp and throughout camp that he's, he's going to be a difference maker for us. And so I think that that's going to be a great addition to it. Um, you know, you get, I, I think that the, the D tackle spot is really deep. You know, um, if we keep all those guys healthy, we've got a lot of guys with, with game experience like Handsome Tanielu and, um, you know, Kezi Tausinga as well as, uh, Meti Taliauli, who got who got hurt last year, but then Solo Wolfgram, who played a little bit of tight end, a little bit of D tackle last year, comes in and he's much much improved. Um, the game's starting to slow down for him. He's he, you know 
a lot to learn, but he's, he's come a long way. What's up with Tavita Moonga, by the way? Uh, Vita was working on academics. And so, okay. you know, he's... Uh, not completely out of the woods yet. We don't know what the the you know what, what it's going to be probably until Wednesday. But once we find out if he is eligible, then then he'll be going. If not, then he's going to have to redshirt. And, uh, and then we also get Kyrus Thoma who's in. So it was a couple of weeks till we saw Kyrus on the field, but he got on the field and on day one, uh, Coach Satake was saying, uh, "No worries, he'll he'll play and he'll play right away." You feel that way? I do, I do. You know, he he doesn't get the game like the other guys. Obviously, he hadn't played since his junior year in high school. And, um, you know, went on a mission, came back, and, you know, physically he has everything that it takes, but, uh, you know, catching up with the game and kind of understand the nuances of playing D-line is probably the thing that's going to slow him down. So he's going to get reps. We're going to force feed him a little bit just because physically he can do it, and he is really, really good when, when, he, when he does it right. But, um, you know, he, he still ends up messing up assignments and, you know, reading blocks and all that stuff, just, just not something that he, he's really good at yet. But he, he'll, he'll get it as he continues to play. So between Kesney and Handsome, uh, Solo and uh, Meti, and then you throw in Kairos, that's five. Do you have a sixth or a seventh guy for that two or three deep in tackle? Uh, Vita would be the other guy. Um, you know, still waiting on him, Lorenzo Falotea okay. did really, really good throughout fall camp, and he's kind of struggling with an injury right now. Mm. Um, and so when he ends up coming back, you know, he was already playing, I think, in the you know second third group with the D line and so we always go into a, into a game with about five or six D tackles. Um, if you can play all of them and feel comfortable with playing all of them, then you play them so that you can stay healthy. You know, take a couple snaps off the starters. It's a long season. Um, you know, keep, keep those guys all healthy and as long as you feel good about the depth and you know I, I i like playing five or six d tackles can lorenzo get back in time for game one or game two do you think um you know i don't think so i think uh his is probably going to be more like a game three or four mm-hmm. type deal and but, you know he could end up coming back a little earlier but right now it doesn't look like it but if you had five guys to go at at the tackle spots for the first couple of games you feel good about that yeah yeah Okay, and then on the edge, you mentioned uh, we've talked about Corbin and Sione. Who else uh, is playing DN for you that's going to be in the mix? Trajan. Trajan played a little bit last year, and he's doing really, really well. Um, Langituifua comes to us straight from high school and has had an impact, and so he'll have a role and he'll play this year as well, as well as Rhett Sandlin. You know, Rhett, I think, is similar to Solo Wolfgram, who, you know, moving to D line, kind of still learning, uh, physically can do it, and so he'll, he'll have a role as well. So I think we feel comfortable with about five of those guys right now, and then Uriah Leotal is the last one that ends up coming in, filling up the sixth spot. Okay, so 10 or 11 guys for the four spots, that's who you would play in, in game one if we were to start right away, and that's how it's going to be, right? Yep. All yep. right. That's a good look at personnel on the D-line. We'll talk some more with Coach Elisa Tuiaki when we come back after this break. It's hashtag CCBYU on Twitter, CC for Coordinator's Corner. And this is the Coordinator's Corner. We're live at JCW's on BYU Football's Facebook Live, as well as BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYUCougars.com. Or with Coach E. And your questions on Twitter, hashtag CCBYU, right after this. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And we are back at JCW's on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYUCougars.com, as well as the BYU Cougars app, the BYU Radio app, the ESPN 960 app, and on BYU Football Facebook Live. Lots of ways to see us and hear us every Monday from 12 to 1 here at JCW's in Provo. Come on in for great food, uh, whether it's going to be the burgers or the wings. You're a wings guy, Coach Tuiaki? I'm a both guy. 
But we'll go with wings today. Just wings today. <laughs> but next week it could be burgers. That's the way he rolls. So, uh, yeah, we'd like to make sure the coaches leave here fully stocked. We hope you come in and, uh, and yeah, leave fully loaded too. So uh, to our Twitter we go. Hashtag CC, BYU, question for Coach Tuiaki, BYU's defensive coordinator and defensive line coach. This is an overall defense question, particularly about the secondary from Ronald on Twitter. In what ways will we see improvement from the secondary as a whole this year, and particularly your thoughts on the cornerbacks? Coach Lamb hit the safeties pretty good in the first part of the show. What are your thoughts on corners and secondary in general? I think, I think we've, we've got a lot more depth that we feel comfortable with um, you know, at the corner spot and with the scheme that we run and and things that we ask the corner i mean they're they're playing a lot of man and so with the recruiting classes as well as the improvement the guys have made this last you know this last off season i think think we feel really really comfortable you know you get diane gawalku back and uh troy warner um chris wilcox chris wilcox has made strides and so he really could kind of tend for both for either spot and so we plan on using all three of them and rotating them uh mike shelton's done a really good job as well as um, you know, uh, Trayvon Green has come in and done a really good job, and so I think those guys right now will end up taking all the reps. But you know, we can we can put them in the game at all situations. We feel comfortable about them. The sixth guy might be Isaiah Armstrong. Isaiah right Armstrong. Now. Yep. Sure. I'm sure. I'm missing somebody, but Isaiah Armstrong is another guy as well that I think will have a role in certain situations too. Okay, we had uh, Ed address this uh, earlier in the program relative to special teams and where he might play. The news is he's going to play, and that's Molongi. Um, you know, Mo came into the program as, as if, if not a true novelty, a question mark in terms of is he just a huge guy or can he be a football player? You've seen him now long enough. What are your thoughts on Mo, and what would you like to do with him? You know, I, I think that he's a role player right now, you know. Um, absolutely he's big <laughs> really really big and and so you know just keeping things simple for him and just bringing him along slowly um you know it isn't the first uh, islander that i've coached that that hasn't played football and you know i would say do you have examples I, of anybody else that kind of made similar progress or well you know Thurton and palamo grew up in the united states but never played football and you know at utah as well as uh but i mean it took them a good two years before they understood it you know and mo's really intelligent but, um, so is that reasonable to expect from Mo, like a two-year yeah, learning I, curve? Yeah, I, I think if I think a two-year learning curve is, uh, is pretty pretty good, pretty realistic. But also, I, you know, he'll he'll contribute on special teams. We're so planning on yeah. using him there. Yeah, there are assignments he can fulfill. Right Absolutely, now. Yeah. yeah, right now. Yep, being being big, being in the way. So you know, PAT PAT block, I think are easy things. But um, you know, as far as a game and all that stuff, it, it, he's got a long way to go. Now, Coach Lamb talked about losing, losing, if you will. Matt Hadley and Chaz Ayu from a, a true safety spot to maybe outside linebacker with Francis being gone. The absence of Francis Bernard, how do you view it uh, in terms of the overall defense and the linebackers, at least in my view, appear equipped to handle um, you know, a loss, not that you want to lose any player, but there are guys there. Yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's unfortunate right now that he's gone. You know, you're losing a good player, but um, you know, spoke to him. Um, intimate setting and just you know really what you want when you're talking to a kid like that that ends up leaving is you want to treat him like your son right if you're my son this is what I would want you to do this is what I think is best for you and then just you know he's got to make his decisions and so you know he, he kind of moves forward and I don't think anything's finalized yet but he moves forward with his decision but it's the same thing with somebody getting hurt you know the next guy's got to stand up you've got to shuffle things around to, to get the right personnel in the right spot and so 
you know, we took uh, we took Matt Hadley from the safety spot. Felt like he was the most physical, just a really, really uh, good, savvy ball player, and put him at the at the at the backer spot. And uh, you know, to the scrimmage that I think that was open, he really, really shined and just shown that he was the he was the guy. And so we put him there. We still love Adam Pulsifer, you know, at the depth spot, and he's the first guy in at the bow, competing right now for for you know Mike backup Mike spot. And so there's you know you still you shuffle guys around, Chaz Ayu, uh, you know, with uh, only having Fred and only having Morgan at the at the field backer spot. You want to have you want to be three deep there, and so. Morgan ended up, you know, going down a couple of days ago, so we moved Chaz, and he did real well. So we're just going to leave Chaz there. It's uh, really just kind of a bigger safety spot, anyways, and so he's still playing safety, and um, you know, shuffle guys around and just move forward. And I think I think that move has been has been good. We're, we're really really happy with those guys. You mentioned the bow, the mic, and the field. Field also known as Flash. Is that right? Yep, so you, have, yep. you have three linebackers: Flash, Mike, and Bow. That's, that's right. Yep. yep that's and exactly that basically right. coordinates to uh, to field. Middle and boundary, yep, more or less, yep. And uh, so, and Francis' situation not finalized, as far as you know. Uh, uh, you know, I, he's he's going to leave, but I don't know where he's going to go. And yeah. so, you know, we get kind of give him our advice, and and uh, you know, he, he just has to make decision what he thinks is best for him. It's really too bad, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you know, it's you. Uh, I don't, I don't know how to feel about. It. I just I just know that I want him to be successful in the future, you know. And so whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, he, he he'll he'll be fine as long as he makes the right decision moving forward. And again, uh, you know, coaches kind of use it. It's not really a cliche when it's next man up because you're not disrespecting the guy that's left, but you are saying we recruit guys to be good at that position, and you feel like you have the guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a guy goes down whether he's ineligible, whether he's hurt, you know, whether he decides to transfer it. It's not just uh, you know specific to our program. It's every single program in the country, and coaches just have to be uh, you know good at doing that. All right, folks, that's Coach Elisa Tuiaki, and he'll be back throughout the season. Again, after this first week, we'll have uh, two coordinators on each show. We get all three this week. We go with Ed, we go with E, and we got Ty Detmer coming up next. But that'll do it for Coach Elisa Tuiaki, our defensive coordinator and D-line coach. So, E, we'll see you soon. Have a great week. Good luck against Portland State this weekend. Thank you. All right, that's Coach Tuiaki. Ty Detmer next. This is the Coordinator's Corner at JCW's. Back after this. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back to JCW's in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner, Mondays from noon to 1 here in Provo. Join us live here at the show, get some great food, and hear from the football coaches. Coaches Detmer, Lamb, and Tuiaki will rotate two of them in every week. First week, we're doing all three. We've gone with Coach Lamb and Coach Tuiaki so far. Coach Ty Detmer, BYU's offensive coordinator and QB coach now, joining us on this Eclipse Day 2017. <laughs> you had places to be uh, other than in the totality path, but somebody, that, somebody in the Detmer family uh, traveled to see it. Is that right? Well, my daughter lives in Idaho Falls, so... Uh, no travel. She's just there. She's there. Yeah, she couldn't help but be in the middle <laughs> of it. So uh, she's sending pictures and videos. Pretty cool looking. Pretty cool deal. So uh, on this Eclipse Day, it was a regular practice day for you guys, though. You were out just doing your thing, right? It's football season, so we uh, we practiced indoors. I, I think Kalani didn't want people burning their eyes up to so <laughs> keep looking at the sun. So he... Uh, he was pretty cautious with it, but you could see through the doors and out the window and see it get, you know, a little darker. It but. did get a little darker. That was the thing. I was in the office this morning, and I was noticing that, yeah, it's a real deal. It was getting darker out there. But you guys stayed inside to avoid any uh, eclipse-related complications. <laughs> All right, so we are in Portland State Week. Man, it's good to be in a game week, isn't it? It is. It's fun to game plan and scheme and, and do all those things, you know, and in camp, you're just kind of putting in offense that you may want to go and pull from and showing them different wrinkles. 
uh, now it's it's really dialing in, and, and these are the things we can do to try to attack them. While everyone should expect uh, BYU to do well against an FCS opponent, uh, you scout state like you would anybody else some initial impressions of their defense uh, based on what you think you're going to see they've got quite a few guys back so they're going to be experienced uh, they play hard and uh, you know they're they're not um, a team that you take lightly you know being the first game you never know what you're going to see there's always going to be new wrinkles that they've worked on in the off season, and so uh, you got to go in and kind of you know have your best stuff uh, stuff that you can run against everything and but they're uh, they're an aggressive bunch, you know. They they play hard. They got good sized defensive linemen. Play four three back. for the most part. Four three for the most part, and then they'll bring a nickel guy in and and uh, a little more man coverage than we see against our defense. But um, it'll be good for us to finally get in game action and and uh, see you know how the guys do against it. Portland State has its uh, top three tacklers back uh, from last season. Second year as offensive coordinator here at BYU. Uh, where are you as a coach and maybe as an offensive group uh, year one to year two? Well, I, I think the recall from our players has really been good, and uh, that's been fun to, to see. And then you can add little bits and pieces here and make adjustments quicker. Um, so, you know, as, as a staff, I think we're more comfortable, feel, feel pretty good about the scheme we have, and then we can add to that. Uh, you know, you do some self-scout, uh, find new wrinkles, uh, and then your team changes a little too. So you got to tweak it to, to fit what's best for your players. And so um, things are more comfortable. You know, the, the first year there were a lot of unknowns going into this first game and wasn't sure if anything was going to work. So, um, you know, we, we feel pretty confident in, in the scheme and the system, and now it's a matter of execution. Quite a few things did work in year one, by the way. And if you have questions for Ty, uh, hashtag CCBYU on Twitter, hashtag CCBYU for Ty. We'll get social media questions uh, next segment. So among the things that happened last year, uh, nine wins, averaging around 30 points a game, uh, more than 200 yards a game on the ground, top five in red zone scoring percentage, top 20 time of possession, 19 different players scored touchdowns, and that ties a school single-season record. Of those few notes... What do you most? Uh, what most resonates with you? What are you most happy with of those I just talked about? Um, you know, I'm, I've never been a big stat guy. Um, I think there are some certain key uh, stats that, that help you win a game, and turnovers um, is, is probably number one. And, and BYU is highly ranked in turnover margin. Right. Yeah. Then you go to you know third down conversions and red zone if you're able to score points when you get down in there, and then uh, convert third downs. And so we were pretty high efficient in those areas that, that help you win games. You know, the, the overall yardage and those kind of things will come. Uh, but that's not a stat that we have a goal for, you know, that, that we need so many yards doing this or that. You know, we're going to play to what the defense gives us and then try to win the game. So uh, if we're ahead in the fourth quarter, you won't see us throwing it as much. We're going to try to, to run it at people and, and be physical and, and work the clock and, and uh, win the game. And so, um, you know, I don't get too caught up in the numbers part of it, but it's, you know, when you're efficient and you're doing the right things and converting third downs and, and scoring touchdowns in the red zone, those are all positives. Yeah, coaches know when they're staying on schedule. That's what football's all about, staying on schedule, moving the chains, and scoring when you have chances to score. And ultimately you do that well enough, and you'll have 
nine or ten wins by the end of the year, if not more. So Yeah, you know, we do realize we need more big plays and we need to, to get some chunks in there because you got to work really hard on those third downs to, to have that high conversion rate. So, um, you know, we'd like to get more chunk plays, you know, 15 to 20-yard gains and, and uh, kind of take some of the pressure off some of those third down conversions as well. But, um, you know, we, we felt like we kind of managed things pretty well last year, kept ourselves in games. Um, and, you know, unfortunately we didn't win a few more of those uh, at the end. But, um, you know, this year it's a little different type of dynamic and different type of team. And so uh, we'll see kind of where it morphs into. You referenced third downs, and you had two of the best all-time third down weapons you're going to have in Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, two of the top five rushers in school history, great third down safety nets. They're gone, and with as many yards as they had going with them, people automatically assume a few of them will be made up through the air as opposed to on the ground because you don't have a Jamal necessarily or a Taysom on this year's roster. Is that fair to say at this point? I think so. I think Tanner, you know, he's not going to look to run. He has the capability of doing that. If, if things open up and teams want to play man and play coverage, he can pull it down and go get yards. But um, I think he's a little more effective with the check downs and getting it to the to the backs. If, uh, if things aren't there, he's going to kind of buy time and look to make a play through the air rather than, you know, Taysom putting the team on his back and, and going and getting a first down on his own. So naturally that will probably happen, um, you know, just as far as, pass attempts and and those kind of things so um, you know we'll like i said we'll see we still want to be able to be balanced and run the ball and and use our size up front uh, but you know it, naturally i think our passing stats will go up just because of the the type of quarterback we have now you got to see film of a freshman tanner mangum you got to work with a sophomore tanner mangum and now you get him starting for you as a junior can you assess his progression from what you first saw you didn't have him in person to now having him ready to be a, a junior quarterback at BYU. Yeah, he's really come a long way with the, the mental side of things. He knows the system. He's, you know, calling it. Uh, he's running our two-minute offense, calling it on his own. And, and uh, you know, he's understanding protections and fronts and run checks and all those things. So he's night and day different player than he was uh, when we got here last year. And uh, I'm excited to see him go. So Ty's not the stats guy. That's where I come in. Uh, Only three BYU quarterbacks have had more passing yards before their junior seasons than Tanner Mangum. Ty Detmer, number one, had 5,812 yards before his junior year. Then you have John Walsh, 4,800. Max Hall, 38-plus. And Tanner's sitting at 36-plus coming into his junior year. So it's uh, not all that regular to have someone this young in terms of experience have that many yards already under his belt but Ty got a lot of or Tanner got a lot of good experience as a freshman yeah and that that's going to go a long way uh for him he's not really a true first year starter you know he got to start the bowl game got a little playing time last year but had a whole year the year before that so he's an experienced guy and and uh as a as a coach you love that because it's not the big guys going into that first game and and uh, everything's happening fast for him so he's got experience he's played in big games and uh he'll be great all right break time it's our final break we come back all our final segment with coach ty detmer byu's offensive coordinator and qb coach if you'd like to ask ty a question do it on the twitter with the hashtag ccbyu hashtag ccbyu tweet your question for ty he's coming up in our final segment of the coordinator's corner live at jcw's on byu radio espn 960 and byu as well as byu football facebook live back in a minute the cougars greg rubel 
All right, so welcome back to JCW's. The coordinator's corner continues. BYU's offensive coordinator and QB coach at Ty Detmer with me. We're with you 12 to 1 Mondays here at JCW's. Uh, Florida State coming up as BYU, uh, Portland State, beg your pardon, coming up as BYU opens the season. I'm looking at Florida State because they're the only team, by the way, uh, there's a reason to this. They're the only team um, that there's only one team better than Florida State in red zone scoring over the last two seasons. Uh, and the BYU's number one, Florida State's number two. Uh, so in your first year, you had a good red zone year, continued off the season before, before you got here. And that's one of the biggest things in football is making sure when you get a chance to score, you do. And BYU's sitting at 94% over the last two seasons. Yeah, you don't win a ton of games kicking field goals. you got to score touchdowns. And when you get those opportunities and you get down in there, you got to finish them off. So, you know, we... In my opinion, we kicked a few too many field goals last year, or uh, or maybe we win a couple of those close games. So, um, you know, that's always a focus and trying to get guys to understand that things happen quicker. And, and when you get your opportunity down there, you got to make a play. Now, you want to use as many touchdowns to your scoring tally as possible, but uh, your field goal kickers, uh, I, I think, or Brett Allman in particular, have gotten better from one year to the next. Maybe a few more longer field goals could be in the offing this year. Yeah, I mean that that definitely helps. You know, it takes the pressure off feeling like you got to, you know, get way down in there and maybe take some shots uh on third and long when when you can get maybe half of that and then set up a field goal attempt. So, uh as a play caller, you always kind of want to know what his range is, how, you know, where they're where they feel like uh they got the best opportunity and then uh you know, you got to kind of call to that a little bit depending on the situation of the game. You mentioned uh, Tanner. We talked about Tanner Mangum in our last segment, not having a Taysom Hill. Uh, Taysom Hill is in Green Bay trying to make the Packers right now. And uh, through two preseason, preseason games, he can't do much more than he's done uh, with the reps he's gotten. It's exciting to see what he's doing up there. It is. You know, he looks great. He's having a, a lot of fun playing. You can see the big smile on his face out there. And, and uh, you know, he's a sharp kid. He understands it. And uh, I think having a full off season where he could really train and, and get healthy and, and, you know, work on some of the little things that he, he really hasn't had a lot of because of the injuries and the rehab things that, that have gone on. But he, uh, you know, he's a good fit for the, for what they're doing. They like to get guys out and move around, and you'll see Rodgers pull it down and take off, and, and you see him do that the other night uh, a couple times. So, uh, I, you know, I, I hope he makes it, and, and it looks like, you know, he's got a great opportunity to at least at a minimum be that third guy, and then, you know, they can kind of plan for the future how they feel about him going from there. Three BYU guys in Green Bay right now with Taysom, Jamal Williams, and Colby Pearson for the time being as well. Uh, Jamal got the number one reps with Ty Montgomery out on Saturday night. And so a lot of BYU fans are, are Packers fans. And, of course, you were a former Packer back in the day to start things off. Yeah, it was one of my favorite places to play. It's it's a lot like Provo. It's a college town. People uh, come from all over for the games. And, uh, you know, it, it's a great great spot to when you leave college to go and, and not have a big city like a New York or Philadelphia to have to navigate. You can go right in and you know, interject yourself right in with the community, and, and those guys will do that because that's the type of people they are. Well, uh, your backup quarterback uh, was a competition in the earlier part of camp. Uh, you decided that uh, Bo Hodge would be your number two behind uh, Tanner Mangum. Can you talk about what, what went into that call and uh, where you sit behind Bo right now? Well, Bo's done a good job of just, you know, progressing, and I think his athleticism gives another dimension uh, to that spot. You know, he's... Uh, He's very dynamic when he pulls it down and takes off and uh, has done well, uh, you know, understanding the offense and getting through progressions. And, and uh, you know, those guys don't don't always get the most work uh, during the season. You don't just you don't have enough reps for everybody to get a lot of reps. So 
he uh, you know he's a guy that could go in and, and make some plays for you, moving around, scrambling, and, and using his legs. If uh, if something happened with Tanner, and uh, he's done a great job and and uh, has played his way into that spot. Well, you hope nothing happens with Tanner, but uh, backups do come into play in the world of college football. And we talked with Coach Tuiaki last segment about a backup being needed at the linebacker spot with uh, with Francis leaving. And let's just recap that on for a second to, to reiterate something that I think the coaching staff would like made clear. Nothing's really finalized with uh, with Francis. Uh, the coaches want to support him and what he's doing, but uh, nothing, nothing really to say in terms of finality. They're supporting him, and, and what he decides will be his decision moving on. But uh, right now, we just want to say and kind of reiterate that things are very uh, kind of preliminary with him, and, and he has some calls to make, and that's that's what's going to happen. Oh yeah, I, you know he's he's trying to figure out what's best for him, and we you know we all want the best for him. So um, you know nothing's. I haven't heard anything official or anything, uh, you know, around the office. But, um, you know, I know there's a lot of thought that goes into it when, when you kind of find out, you know, the news that you, you're redshirting and, and not able to play that year. So, um, you know, we want what's best for him. But, um, and, you know, I think BYU's best for him. But um, that's that's his call, and we're supporting him, giving him a little time with his family to, to figure that out. That's it. So we're in the figuring out process, and it is a process, and BYU and the coaches are supporting Francis in that, and so we'll just let that uh, play out. We get to let you guys play a football game on Saturday, which is great. Uh, you have a good sense of how it's going to work, but we'll find out for real uh, Saturday at 1 o'clock, and that's the great thing about the, the, the game. You never know until you're in it. Yeah, we can quit talking about it and show it now. So uh, everybody's excited. The players are excited to, to play another team and quit going against themselves. So. Uh, everybody's looking forward to Saturday. Well, we're excited to have you with us for another season here at JCW's. Uh, load yourself up with something good, and, and we'll see you soon. I will. Thanks. All right, that's Ty Detmer, BYU's quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator. Hope you enjoyed our season debut edition of the Coordinator's Corner. We thank Coach Ed Lamb, special teams coordinator, Elisa Tuiaki, D coordinator, and Ty Detmer, the O coordinator, back with you next Monday, noon to one here at JCW. So long for the Coordinator's Corner.